following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Are you ready to get into the Word of God? Open up to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Isn't it an amazing thing that uh, everybody is looking for peace? How many of you are listening to the news at the moment of what's going on in Ukraine? And, uh, you know, people are rumors of war and third world war and all this sort of stuff happening. And, and uh, you ask any beauty pageant contestant what they want. And, you know, besides looking beautiful, they want, what is, what is it they want? Any beauty... World peace. Everybody's after world peace. Question is, how do you get world peace? That's the big question. How do you get, how do you get world peace? And so many people think that you get peace if you just have an atmosphere of peace. But I want to tell you that anybody can be peaceful when everything is going well. Anybody, anybody can be peaceful. When, you know, there's plenty of money in the bank, there's plenty of food in the fridge, there's plenty of clothes in the wardrobe. It's when you ladies open the wardrobe and you say, I've got so much to wear, rather than, I've got nothing to wear. I always find that amazing when there's a wardrobe full of clothes and the statement is, I've got nothing to wear. Anyway, we won't go there. I get myself into big trouble, okay? So let me just back away very, very slowly. So anybody can be peaceful when everything around you is at peace. But what happens when everything around you is in chaos? Can you still have peace? Because that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the peace that Jesus came to give. Because this gift of peace, where Jesus says, peace I give to you. In John fourteen twenty seven, Jesus says, peace I give to you. And then he goes on, he says, I give you a peace, not as the world gives you, because they, they don't have the sort of peace that I have. So he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How many of you sometimes have discovered your heart troubled? You're afraid. And then Jesus comes in and says, I want to give you a peace that the world does not understand, nor does it know, nor can it give you. And this is the peace that comes from the Prince of Peace. Everybody say the Prince of Peace. That's Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. And can I just say to all those beauty contestants that are here today, and I know that we're full of beauty contestants, you can't have world peace without the Prince of Peace. Can I just say that to you? You can't have peace without the Prince of Peace. And if you're looking for peace, you'll only find true peace in the Prince of Peace. So, The Mark chapter 4 story is the story of peace in the midst of a storm. And it's the story of this amazing storm that took place and how Jesus wants to teach us a lesson on how to have peace in the midst of a storm. So let's read this wonderful story in uh, Mark chapter 4 verse 35 about peace in the midst of a storm. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Did I say other or other? (laughs) Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left 
the multitude, they took Jesus along in the boat as he was. And the other little boats were also with him. And, and, Matthew actually repeats the story, and so does Luke. So this story is also found in Matthew 18, and in Luke, sorry, Matthew 8, and in Luke 8. And in Matthew 8, it says, and suddenly, and suddenly there arose a great windstorm, and suddenly. How many of you know that sometimes suddenly a windstorm arises? Suddenly a storm comes out of nowhere, a suddenly, an unexpected storm. And they took him along, and it says, and suddenly a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. This storm caused water to come into the boat. The Bible says, but Jesus was in the stern, that's the back of the boat, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Don't you care that we're dying? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Then chapter 5 verse 1 says, then they came to the other side of the sea. Let me just give you a little bit of background to the story. And that's this. The background to the story is this. Jesus said, Let's get into the boat and let's go on a journey because we're going from this side of the lake to the other side of the lake. And so they were just simply obeying God. They were simply on a journey that was ordained by God and directed by God. Now let's talk about this for a little while because life is a journey. Every single one of us are on a journey. And you're at some stage of your journey. Can I just encourage you to make sure that your journey is God-inspired and not controlled by others? Because sometimes the journey of our life can be controlled by people or by others or by forces. So rather than being on a God-inspired journey, we're on an others-inspired journey. Now, we've got people of all different nationalities in our church and in some nationalities, the, the parents actually dictate to the children what they're going to be when they grow up. I, I had a friend of mine who was told that he was going to be an accountant. Whether he liked numbers or not, his father said, you will be an accountant. Then his brother was told, you will be a doctor. Had nothing to do with whether he fainted at the sight of blood. It was, how many of you are like me, you know, at the sight of blood... It's just like you pass out. You just man up. Come on. And I, my attitude is, Anne can fix this. <laughs> I'm just backing away slowly. Uh, and uh, imagine being told to be something when it's not your passion and it's not your desire. But because you're controlled and dominated, then you do it. Then other people live, live, do the life's journey just based on their self-ambition and self-desire. What do I want to do? What do I want to become? And so their life becomes a real self-centered and self-seeking journey. And it's all about how can I make life better for me? You say, is that a bad thing? Well, it is a bad thing if that's what 
takes over your life. It's all about you because you live a very small life if it's all about you. You live a very big life when you live for others and you give to others. Now, we're not talking about being controlled. My giving becomes giving when it's done out of the generosity of my heart rather than done out of the manipulation of my mind. How many of you hate being manipulated but you love giving? That's, there's a big difference between being manipulated and then giving. I, I, there's the joy that comes out of giving, out of revelation. I live a big life to serve others. And, you know, there's just the, the people that live life that's very self-centered. I'm telling you, a self-centered, all about me, all about my needs, all about me, 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 is a very small life. You start to just expand when you live for others. It's very powerful. And that's one of the things that when you live a God-inspired life that God actually does. It gives you, he gives you discernment between being manipulated by others and being generous to others. And it's a wonderful thing to do life's journey, having a life that is inspired by God because it actually taps in to the gifts and callings upon your life. One of the things that happens is that while you were being formed in your mother's womb, God actually put DNA into you, DNA of gifts and abilities that are very natural in your life. And, and so God's huge purpose for you, for your life, was actually being written while you were being formed in your mother's womb. And so when you discover that God purpose, it ties in with all your gifts. It ties in with all your abilities. It's just an amazing thing. It's just an amazing thing. So, so for me, while I was being formed, God actually put into my DNA a love for people. He actually put into me a love for public speaking. Now imagine, imagine if I was called to be a preacher, but I hated people. It just wouldn't work, would it? Or if I hated public speaking, it just wouldn't work either. And uh, so these passions and desires were put into my life by God. And so the destiny, when it comes together, it all connects to the gifts and callings upon your life. So you don't stress. You You don't stress. It's all so natural. It's just so outworked so beautifully, you know. I mean, I would have loved to have been an opera singer. Finiculi, finicula, finiculi. But how many of you know that those notes, when I start to hit them, finicula, it just doesn't work, does it? It's like, stick to preaching, John. Uh, Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, it's like, and, and sometimes somebody puts ambitions in your life that's not connected to your passion and your calling and your gifting. But the God inspired journey all comes together, it all clicks into gear, and it's like, this is what I've been called to do. This is what I've been made to do. This is me. It's natural. So make sure that your life's journey is God-inspired. You say, well, how do I find out about that? That's another message we'll get to another day, but just enough to say that. So, so here's the disciples. Let's go to the other side. They're doing this God-inspired journey, and then suddenly in the midst of this, while they're in the middle of this God-inspired journey, a huge storm arises. Kaboom! Do you know, I find it amazing that storms are part of the journey, but when they arise, we get traumatized by them. Can I just say to you, here it is, storms are part of life's journeys. Write it down. 
Make sure you got it in your Bible. Make sure you got it somewhere. Storms are part of life's journey. And you know what? It's not connected to your sin. It's not like, oh, I've sinned and the storm has come. The disciples hadn't sinned. They were sitting in the boat doing exactly what God had told them to do. And a storm comes their way. So don't for one minute think that when a storm comes, it's your fault. It's part of the journey. It's part of life. Now, can I talk about two types of storms? Because there are storms that are expected and there are storms that are unexpected. Now, let's, let's get this sorted through because what you have is at least three of the disciples had grown up on the lake. They were, they were fishermen. They actually owned the boat that they were in. So these people, they understood the lake. They understood the atmospheric pressures. They understood, that's, that, that was their livelihood. But this storm was not a storm that they expected. It was one of those unexpected storms. They'd lived through lots of storms. It's not as if this was their first time on the lake. But this one, this one absolutely scared the heck out of them. They thought they were going to die. So this is what happens in life. There are certain things that we expect and there are certain things that we don't expect. And I really believe it's the unexpected storms that knock the stuffing out of us. You say, what are some of the unexpected storms? I'm glad you asked that question. Let's talk this through. How many of you know that we're all going to die one day? So that's really encouraging. I'm telling you, I just, it was great to come to church just to hear that. But you know what? When your parents die, it breaks your heart, but you somehow expect it. You some, there's, there's an expectation. They're older than me. They're going to die. But what if one of your kids dies? That's an unexpected storm. That comes from left field, and that knocks the stuffing out of you because you don't expect that. You expect to die before your kids die. There are unexpected stuff. So, so I've, I've grown up expecting particular storms. So when I was in Bible school preparing for the ministry, the big, the big thing for us was this. You young pastors, be careful of the girls, the gold, and the glory, the three Gs. I think there's four Gs now. The girls, the gold, the glory, then the guys come as well. So there's a... Anyway, that's another story. But, and, so, and so, you know, when those storms come, you prepare. You, you, you're ready for those storms. But some of the other storms that you're not prepared for, what about the storms of discouragement and disappointment? What about the storms when you wake up one day and, and one of your kids has become a prodigal? Because that's one of the things that Anne and I have had to go through in waking up one day and one of our kids decided they're going to be a prodigal and there's nothing you can do about it. And, and it's like, I wasn't expecting this one. And it knocks the stuffing out of you. Or maybe some of you, you, you know, rather than having prodigal kids, you've got prodigal parents. You wake up one day and one of your parents decide, I'm leaving home. I'm divorcing your mum or I'm divorcing your father. And, and they become a prodigal and they leave. And what happens then? See, these storms that come from left field and every single one of us is going to encounter one of these storms. They just about knock us off our feet and it's like we're perishing. So what do you do when you are confronted with a storm? Okay, I'm glad you asked that question because I'm going to give you three things that you need to do when you're confronted with a storm. And you know what? Here it is. Here it is. Again, another word of encouragement. You're either in a storm 
or you're either coming out of a storm or you're going into a storm. So you're either in one of these three categories, be encouraged, because you're either in a storm or you're coming out of one or you're about to go into one. And you say, I'm so glad I came to church to hear that. I feel so encouraged. But storms are part of life. Come on. Get used to it. Don't be afraid of it. All you need to know is what do you do when you're confronted with a storm. Okay, number one, are you ready for this? Number one, don't let the storm into your spirit. You know what Jesus said? To the, this is where Jesus rebukes the disciples. He gets hold of them because they're in the middle of this. And, and Jesus said to them, look, we're going to the other side. The storm comes. Then he rebukes his disciples and says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He rebuked them. Why did he rebuke them? Let me tell you why he rebuked them. Because they started out with faith. But the fear displaced the faith. And so they they started filled with faith and ended up being filled with fear. They started out with no storm in their spirit and they ended up with storm in their spirit. And I want to tell you this, this is so powerful if you get hold of it, that when you confront a storm, one of the powers of the storm is that it wants to get into your spirit. It wants to take away your peace, take away your faith, and enter into your spirit and bring some of that storm into your spirit. I'm telling you, it's just such a savage thing. So some of you get confronted with storms of betrayal. Some of you get confronted with storms of abandonment, storms of of just bad stuff happening to you. Someone abuses you. And I'm telling you, the first thing that that storm wants to do, it wants to come into your spirit. And some of that storm wants to come into you so that you manifest the same way the storm around you. And so you start to get angry. You start to get bitter. You start to get negative. And that storm then has penetrated into your spirit. And I want to say to you that that you can't stop the storm coming to you, but you can stop the storm getting inside of you. And I'm telling you that if the storm just comes to you, it cannot destroy you. But if it comes inside of you, that's when it can destroy you. I want you just to picture this picture. So you've got the storm, and the storm here is water everywhere, and it's water, and, and the fear is, is the fear of drowning. And so you've got water everywhere, and this boat is designed to float on the water. And so the water now is coming into the boat. And so they're, they're, they're getting water out of the boat, water, water out of the boat, but they still don't have water in their lives. Now, the fact of the matter is this, that even if the boat sinks, as long as the water doesn't get inside of them, they won't drown. But as soon as the water gets inside the boat and inside of them, that's when they're gone. And so this is what a storm wants to do. It'll be all around you, but it wants to get inside of you. And once it's inside of you, that's when it destroys you. I want to say to you, what is your inner world like? Is your inner world full of stress? Is it full of strife? Is it full of anxiety? Because if it has, the storm has come into your life. But you know what? You are the one that's allowed it to come in. You said, but John, I didn't choose the storm to come to my life. That's right. 
But you choose whether you let it into your life. Oh my goodness, life is just full of possibilities of getting stressed. Life is filled with possibilities of getting angry and resentful and negative. Life is full of all these possibilities. Have I been ripped off? Absolutely. Plenty of times. So what do you do when you get ripped off? I forgive. Why do you forgive? Because if I don't forgive, that spirit gets into my spirit. Not only has it stolen then my finances, that spirit then steals my inner world and the peace in my inner world. And so I can't change it stealing my finances, but I can change it stealing my peace. So don't let the storm in your inner world. Now, what you see here is the contrast between Jesus and the disciples. What do you see? What's, what's the contrast? The contrast is the disciples have let the storm into their spirit. So they're panicking. Ah, what do we do? Run around, quick throw out water. We're dying, we're dying. It's the end of the world. And what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping on a pillow at the back of the boat. He said... And they could not understand this. For them, this was a total enigma. And their attitude is, you don't care. Because if you did care, you'd be running around like we were. Chooks without a head on. We're dying, we're dying. But Jesus was able to sleep because there was no storm in his spirit. How are you sleeping at night? Are you sleeping well? Because if you're not, and I tell you, I'm preaching to myself because there have been nights where I haven't been able to sleep. And the reason is because I let the storm into my spirit. And so I preach to myself, John, what are you doing letting the storm into your spirit? Because it makes no difference. All that it does, it just takes away your peace. So this is the two questions that you need to ask. When there's a storm around you, question number one is this. You need to ask, is there anything I can do to change this situation? Ask that question. Is there anything you can do to change this situation? And if there is, then do whatever you can to change the situation. But if you can't change the situation... Then you ask the second question, am I still doing the will of God? Or have I become bitter and twisted on the inside? And if you say, no, there's absolutely nothing I can do to change the situation, and I'm doing exactly what God has told me to do, then you just do step number two, and that's what, learn to rest in God. Everybody say, learn to rest in God. You've got to learn to rest in God. So you've got to keep the storm out of your spirit and you've got to learn to rest in God. Now, if there's something you can do to change the situation, go do it. Okay, don't expect God to do what you can do. God can only do what you can't do. But if you can do it, don't expect God to do it. Hello? Too many people are praying for things that God says, no, you do it. But, but God, I want you to do it. No, well, you do it because I'll only do what you can't do. But if you can do something, you go do it. It's just as simple as that. You know, some people are praying for God to, you know, stop their thumb from hurting. And God says, stop banging it with a hammer. Simple. So you want your thumb to stop hurting? 
his thumb, your thumb to stop hurting, stop banging it with a hammer. You can do certain things in life to make your life better. Don't expect God to do for you what you can do for yourself. It's just as simple as that, basic. Then, you expect, then God will do what you can't do. So if there's something that you can do to change the situation, you do it. But if you can't do anything, then just rest in God. Learn to rest in God. Do what Jesus did. Fall asleep, this incredible rest of the righteous. Just falling asleep in the middle of it all. How do you do that? Well, this is how you do it. Is where you just, your faith in God just comes to another level. You learn this fact that God starts this journey. God finishes this journey. In the middle of it, there are storms. And if I can't change anything, I'm just going to rest in God. And if I fall asleep, it actually, when I wake up, the storm is way, way behind me rather than staying awake through the storm. Huh? <laughs> it's way behind me. Too many people are awake when they should be asleep. Uh, losing sleep when God just wants you to gain rest. Just rest in God. I love what it says in Psalm 46 verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. Everybody say, be still and know that I am God. I love the contemporary English translation to this scripture. It says, be calm and know that I'm God. Just be calm. Stop stressing. Stop being a stress head. Come on. Stop it. Stop it. Just learn to rest in God. I love what it says in Isaiah 26 verse 3. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is focused on you. You know, you, you can focus on the storm or you can focus on God. But let me tell you, while you're focused on the storm, you can't rest. You need to focus on God. Focus on God. What you need to do is begin to see Jesus asleep on the boat. Let, let me tell you something. If I was on that boat, you know what I would do? I'd just go lay down next to Jesus. I'd say, this is the safest place. Why? Because Jesus is in the boat. And one thing I know is that if the creator of the universe is in this boat, it ain't going down. So I'm just going to be as close to him as possible. And uh, certainly not leave the boat. Whatever you do, this is the big temptation for a lot of people when they're in trouble is that they bail. They jump ship when they're in trouble. They think, oh, panic. Dive overboard. Crazy. Just do the last thing that God told you to do. Go to the other side. Well, how do you get the other side? Stay in the ship. But the ship is being whatever. Jesus is still in the ship. Stay in the ship. Don't bail. Don't bail. Don't bail out of the ship while it's in the storm. What is the matter with you? Oh, but I gotta find, I gotta find an explanation. Have you asked the two questions? Is there anything you can change? Oh, yeah, but I can jump overboard. How's that gonna change? You're gonna be in the middle of the storm even worse. Yeah, but I gotta do something. Yeah, rest in God. That's what you gotta do. But no, no, I gotta do more. Is there anything more you can do? Is there something that you can do to change the situation? Can you put the storm into a headlock and take it away? No, well, I can't do that. Well, if you can't do that, Marcus says, maybe I could do that. Love to see that happening. Love to see that happening. 
So rest in God, rest in God, rest in God. Exodus 33, 14 says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So what, what, what is it? Focus on the presence of God. Come on, get into worship. Find some worship music. Come to the door night on Friday night. Bathe yourself in the presence of God. See, the thing is this. On Sundays, our time is limited. We give you 20 minutes of worship. On Friday night, we're going to give you an hour and a half of worship. We're just going to... And let me tell you, for some of you that are in the storm, the best thing that you can do is come on Friday night and just worship God. You know, just worship God. Worship Him. Focus on His presence. Focus on Him. And you'll find the storm will die down in your life. Philippians 4 verse 6 was one of my favorite scriptures as a teenager. Back in those days, we didn't have all the translations that we have today. We actually had three translations back in the 70s. We had the Old King James. How many of you still read the Old King James? There's some of you there. I I found it very difficult to read as a teenager. And so there was another translation that I loved back then. It was called the Living Bible. And the Living Bible in Philippians 4 verse 6 was so powerful. It just said this, Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Stop worrying and start praying. Why worry when you can pray? Some people have got it the other way around. Why pray when you can worry? Get it the right way round. Why worry when you can pray? So you can't do both and do them well. So the Bible says stop worrying and start praying. And all it does, it just takes your focus from the storm to the one who's bigger than the storm. See, See, what you've got is the storm and then you've got the storm speaker. The one who speaks to the storm. The one who has a voice that's louder than the voice of the storm. So you can either say, oh, the storm is so loud. Or you can say, but God's voice is louder. But the storm is so powerful. Or you can say, God is more powerful. But the storm is so scary. You think that's scary? Wait till you see an angry God. Come on. So you either either allow the presence of the storm into your heart or you allow the Prince of Peace into your heart. You can't have both. You can't have both. So start praying. And this is where you rest. You rest, this incredible rest, incredible rest. So if you're in a storm, three things. Number one, don't allow the storm into your spirit. Number two, learn to rest in God. And number three, here it is. Wait for the then he arose moment. Because there is a moment when the storm arose. Suddenly, the storm arose. But there's a time that's coming where suddenly he arose. Then he arose. There is a moment, I'm prophesying it into your situation. I'm looking at every single person that's in a storm right now. And I'm speaking the word of the Lord to you. Just as the storm arose in your life, the Son of God is arising. And he is more powerful than the storm. And when he gets up, when the Son of God gets up, he will rebuke that storm. And he will say into your life, peace, be still. Come on, if you're going to clap, make it a good one. Peace, be still. Peace.
peace, be still. And the Bible says that when he spoke that word, the wind ceased. And get hold of this. And there was a great calm. From that great agitation, there came a great calm. There came a great calm. And I want to prophesy into your life, and I want to say to you, get your eyes off the storm. Stop looking to the storms. Look, stop looking at the agitation and just wait for God because he's going to speak into your situation and a calm is going to come and he's going to turn that whole situation around. And that which was death and destruction will now become life and fruitfulness. That which was seemed like an impossible situation will be turned around. God will turn around. He is the God of the turnaround. He will speak into your boat. He will speak into your storm. He will speak. Speak into your situation the word of peace. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. And he wants you to live in a peace that the world does not know. And it's a peace of the assurance that God will turn this thing around. That God will come to you. That God who started this journey with you will not cause you to get to the middle of the lake and fall to the bottom. But he'll take you to the other side. Because that's how the story finishes. A great peace came and they got to the other side. Oh, there were times when you didn't think you'd get there. There were times when you looked ahead and all you could see was death and destruction. But the word of the Lord is when you look ahead, see the race being run and the race being won. Because God is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? No demon from hell can stand against you if God is for you. No giant from the pit can stand against you if God is for you. No storm is bigger than God. He is bigger than any storm. So quit saying to God how big your storm is and start saying to your storm how big your God is. Quit complaining to God about your storm and start declaring to your storm about the power of God that's going to bring that storm down. That storm is going to become a wincy, wincy little fresh breeze over the water. Glory to God. Just a nice, refreshing breeze from the temptation of destroying you, turning it around to a breeze that's just going to refresh you. Ah, beautiful breeze rather than scary breeze. Beautiful breeze. God's going to turn it around. Hey, let me finish this morning by saying this. He is the God of intervention. He intervened for the disciples. He intervened for them. And he brought that storm to nothing. God is the God of intervention. God intervened for Jarius. He was in distress over the death of his daughter. God intervened and brought the daughter back to life. He intervened for Mary and Martha. They were in distress over the death of their brother Lazarus. God intervened and brought Lazarus to life. He intervened for Moses when he was right there at the Red Sea, water in front of him, the armies of Egypt behind him. God intervened, opened up the Red Sea. They walked on dry land. In impossible situations, God intervened. 
God intervened with David when David was confronting the Goliath, this giant that was out to destroy him and his people. God intervened, brought the giant down, and David and the children of Israel had incredible victory. God intervened for Daniel when he was confronted with his den of lions that were wanting to devour him, but God shut the mouths of the lions. Those things could roar. Those things could look nasty, but they could not touch Daniel because God shut the mouths of the lions. God brought the children out of the fiery furnace. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were cast into a fiery furnace. Why? Because they would not bow. Because they would not bow, they could not burn. God delivered them. God saved them out of the fire with not even the smell of smoke. God intervened for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God will intervene for you, my friend. God intervened for Job, brought him out of his situation, gave him double what he had before. God is the God of intervention. And even though you might be in the midst of a storm, God is the God of intervention. He will intervene on your behalf. He will speak to yourself situation. Peace, be still. The storm will go and the glory of God is coming your way. Come on, let's give the Lord a bit of a shout. A bit of a shout. He's coming your way. He's coming your way. Intervention is coming your way. The God of miracles is coming your way. Why is that? Because he's the Prince of Peace. He wants to bring peace into your situation. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 